So as we uh, continue our, our Easter series and working through the series that we started last week called The Week That Changed the World, and, and you know, we are very apparent to, to how just certain events, right, can just change uh, the course of our lives very, very quickly, which we've all experienced here in these last weeks and, and months. And yet we realize that this week, this, this last week of Jesus' life, this, this holy week, that as he entered in on Palm Sunday, which we celebrate today, right? And last week we looked at the triumphal entry and, and, and how this ushered in the last week of Jesus' life. And, and as, as we're kind of looking through the events of, of Jesus' life and, and of this, this last week, we see that this week truly changed our world forever. Right? The world was never the same after these events. And that's a good thing because as we see, right, that Jesus came on a mission as the chosen Messiah and he accomplished that mission during this last week of his life in 100%. Last week as we started this series, I, I gave us a challenge and the challenge for this series is, is, uh, is for this week that truly changed the world is that challenges, will this Easter be just another holiday with its traditions or will it be something that really changes you and affects you and affects your faith journey? But as we know that we, everything in our life is a little bit different right now, right? Our, uh, the busyness of life, our culture has stopped in many ways, right? Even just us joining as church is different today than what it was just a few months ago. But can we take this season, this, this holy week, and can we still make it a true act of worship? Can it still be the, the highlight of our faith, of our, our year calendar, right? As we focus on Jesus, our Savior, and on, on his death and on his resurrection and everything that we celebrate in the Easter holiday. That's our challenge for this time. And, and I hope that this Easter will be different, not just because of the pandemic and, and the earthquake that we had this last week in Idaho and all these different things, right? I mean, definitely it's different no matter what. We're always going to remember this year, right? But will this Easter be special? Will this Easter be one that you remember because it was a significant time in your faith, that you experienced God in a way that you've never experienced him before? I hope that it will be. As I said, today is Palm Sunday. The, 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 celebration that commemorates the triumphal entry. And we saw that last week, how Jesus, is, Jesus entered into, into Jerusalem and ushered in this holy week, right? This last week of his earthly ministry. Now, when you think about that and, and think about even just the holiday of Palm Sunday and the celebration of that, I mean, the, the whole Easter holiday and, and just everything that goes with that. Think about for a moment, why do we have holidays, Right? Why do we even have holidays? The, the whole point of a holiday is to celebrate or remember a significant event or situation or person. Again, the, the point of the Easter holiday, right, is, is to remember Jesus, right, and to remember his death and his resurrection. Now, today we are looking at the kind of next thing of the Holy Week, the big, the next significant, um, you know, part of it, which is the Passover celebration. Okay, now the Passover celebration was a Jewish holiday. In fact, it is still a Jewish festival that they, um, at the traditional Jewish calendar, right, that they still celebrate today. It is this festival that commemorates the exodus out of Egypt. And not just the exodus, but, but specifically God getting Pharaoh to let the Israelites leave. 
And it was this, this last plague that God used. There was a series of plagues that they went through to get Pharaoh's attention, to, to, to see again, to know that, again, from him, that these Israelites were being um, led by a holy God and a powerful God, right? And, and one that, uh, again, when God was said it was time for them to go, it was time for them to go. And, and God gave a series of plagues. Now, the 10th and final plague, it was the worst one. It was the one that, that truly, again, got Pharaoh to be like, okay, that, that we cannot sustain any more loss. This is a point where, again, God proves his power over life and death, right, to where Pharaoh says, yes, leave. Now, this 10th plague was the death of every firstborn son, human, and livestock. It was the death of every firstborn son in Egypt. Now, God told the Israelites right before this, he, he instituted this, this celebration, this, um, this symbolic ceremony that they were supposed to go through leading up to the, the night that this plague was going to hit. And God told them to do this. God told the Israelites to slaughter a lamb on a very specific day and then have a feast and eat all of the meat with no leftovers. And then when, when they slaughter that lamb, to put some of its blood around the doorframe of their house. Hey, now, again, the, I'm, I can just imagine Israel thinking about, God, are you crazy? Why do you want us to do that? What's the point? But, but he tells them the point of, of what is about to happen and why they should do it. In, in Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, he explains why this is an important thing for them to do. Exodus 12, starting at verse 12, he says, On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And this plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Again, as God is explaining this 10th plague about right, what he's about to do, right? And again, what was the point of this plague? It was to prove, again, that the gods of Egypt were inferior, that he is the true God, the Lord, and only he is God. Right? And yet, as, as he goes through this, he tells the Israelites, he's like, but I don't want to to strike you because you are my chosen people, right? You are following me. And so I will pass over your house and not strike you with the plague. Only if you have the blood of this lamb spread over your door. That is the mark. And then we see here that, that again, God institutes this whole new holiday for them. Because every year after this happened, this initial plague happened, and then they left, and and then they, because then they left, and then we start the story of Moses and the parting of the Red Sea and, and they're wandering through the desert and all those things. And this is what starts that story. But, and they, they celebrate the Passover every year after this first one. But the significance of it is this, is the sacrifice of a lamb saved the life of God's children. The sacrifice of the lamb saved the life of God's children. Again, this festival then is instituted in Exodus chapter 12. Again, after they leave, then God tells them, this is something you will celebrate every year, right? That you will remember when the, the sacrifice of the lamb saves the life of God's children. This was a concept that God wanted his people to remember. 
right? Because every holiday has its core traditions. Every holiday has its celebration, its, its remembrance of something. That's why we have holidays, right? And God wanted his people to remember the sacrifice of the lamb. And that the, the blood of the lamb is what saves the life of God's children. This is a core concept that follows all through scripture, right? And Jesus wanted them to remember, and that's what this festival commemorated. Now, like, again, think about this for them. This was a big holiday, just like we have our big holidays, right, in our culture, right? You think about, again, Easter is a big holiday. It comes kind of every year, and as we're celebrating it this next week, uh, you know, another major holiday that we have, right, sometimes we say just everybody's, a lot of people's favorite holiday is the Christmas season, right? Now, again, when you think about Christmas, what does Christmas commemorate? We know that, again, for, for our, our, our faith, right, for Christians, it commemorates the birth of Jesus, right? But yet, there, there's all these other kind of cultural things that go along with this holiday, right? You know, uh, things like, like the Christmas tree, right? Like all kinds of different kinds of Christmas trees, right? We see that, but we know, you know we, many times we don't even know why we have the Christmas tree, right? But, but we understand that we do it, and everybody puts it in their house, right? We also know the tradition of gifts, right? And we give gifts to different people, right? And, and all these different things that are coming out. Then also we understand, right, like the reindeer is a big deal in, in Christmas, right? And, and, and again, we, we understand that that's a part of that. And, and we see, when we see these things, it reminds us of the holiday, right? And what we are celebrating. And, and again, none of these things are tied, right, to our faith. But I hope when you think about Christmas, your first thought is the Christ child, right? Which is why we give gifts in the first place, right? Because the ultimate gift, right, was the gift of the Messiah. But again, not just Christmas, but Easter. I mean, Easter also has its, its things, right, that, that commemorate the Easter holiday. I mean, we have the cross, and again, we see that, and again, the, 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 the jewelry and all that that goes along with the cross and what that illustrates for us. We have all the, you know, the new things that we get in the spring, the new clothes and, you know, the, 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 the lilies that are growing and all the flowers and all those kinds of things. And also a big part of Easter in our culture is chocolate, right? Um, we, you know, cho chocolate is a big deal when it comes to Easter. They, uh, not, again, not only chocolate, but we also have, you know, the, the baby chicks, right, are, are a, a big part of, of our Easter celebration, right? Again, not, not just um, baby chicks, but also Easter eggs are a part of that, right? And, uh, you know, we, we all, you know, the, the marshmallow peeps and kind of all those things. And there's these crazy things that even sometimes come with Easter is even dressing up your dog like a baby chick, right? Again, people do all kinds of weird things to celebrate the holiday. Now, and as we look at those things, though, we know that Easter, though, right, is there are core things that help us celebrate Easter. Now, again, these are fun things to, to participate in, but, but again, it's not the core of why we celebrate Easter, right? The core of why we celebrate it is because of Jesus's accomplishment of his mission. And as we start to go and study these different parts of the Holy Week, we're going to see, again, how significant that truly is. Now, again, the core things of the Passover holiday that the Jewish people celebrated, okay, the core things of this holiday was the sacrificial lamb, Right, them sacrificing a lamb, okay, is the blood of the lamb, okay, and also a very significant part of the Passover celebration is the unleavened bread. And again, this is a, this is a part of their, their regular tradition. It's called a saber meal, okay, where they sit down in the, as, in the, within the Jewish culture and they celebrate this every year, and they go through these very 
specific things that, that, that remind them and these core things of the Passover holiday. Okay, now again, we, we see this holiday celebrated a few different places throughout Scripture. Okay, in fact, we see it celebrated many times in Scripture. In fact, a lot of the timelines within the biblical stories are set based on the different Passovers. And we see, again, these, these kind of come and go throughout the biblical story. But the most familiar one that we see is happened as a part of Holy Week. And we know it as the Last Supper. Again, we celebrate it within, uh, you know, our evangelical church. And we, we know the Last Supper and, and all the different things that happened at the Last Supper. But, but when they came together, when Jesus sat down with the disciples at that dinner, they were celebrating the Passover. Hey, now, as we, we recognize that, that connection between the Passover celebration and the Last Supper, I want to read for you, again, this, this, this Matthew's account of the Last Supper. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 17 through 20. That's going to be our text for, for today. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open with me to Matthew uh, chapter 26. And we're going to read uh, verses 17 through 20. And again, this is... Uh, Matthew's version of the Last Supper. So Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 17, where it says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man. Tell him, the teacher says, my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12 disciples. Again, as we, we see here that, again, Jesus, you know, tells his disciples that, hey, um, it's time for us to celebrate the Passover. This Passover is a pretty special one. We need to go into Jerusalem, right? This is after the triumphal entry, right? After he's kind of turned over the tables in the temple, he's made this huge ruckus within the city. And now similar instructions to what he gave them with the triumphal entry. He says, hey, go over here and get this donkey. And by the way, when the guy tells you, just tell him that I need it and he'll give it to you. And that's exactly what happened there. And in a similar situation, Jesus tells the disciples, hey, walk into the city, find this guy and be like, hey, by the way, we need your house. And he's going to be okay with it. Right? And so here the disciples do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. Right? They walk into the city, they find this guy and be like, hey, man, we need your house. He's like, all right, cool. Here's the upper room. Right? And it says, then they set up the Passover meal there. And then, then Jesus comes with them and sits down. And, and they, they celebrate together this core Jewish holiday of Passover. Right? To remember the fact that the sacrificial lamb saves the life of God's children. That's what they were celebrating. Now, as we realize that, they, then also, though, again, this is the Last Supper. Why do we call it the Last Supper? Okay, because this literally was the last meal that Jesus ate on earth. Right now, not only did again, we traditionally know it as the Last Supper because it was the last meal that Jesus ate. Okay, but also the Last Supper was supposed to be the last Passover meal. Not only was it the last physical meal that Jesus ate, but it, it's, it was supposed to be the last Passover meal. Because God has a plan to redeem us, right? To save us, to, to restore us to unhindered relationship with him. 
And that was the mission of the Messiah. He was sent to earth to come to live a sinless life, to die, to rise again on the third day so that we could all be saved. That was his mission. And this last Passover meal was a major pivot point of history. We see that this last supper was supposed to be the last Passover meal because Christ becomes our lamb. Right? That was the mission of the Messiah, was to become the sacrificial lamb for all of us. And so no longer, again, do we need to continue to, to celebrate Passover, right? Remembering the Exodus and how that lamb saved the lives of God's children. Now we are transitioning to the new covenant of grace that is about to be ushered in by Jesus' death and resurrection. Right, which happens just in the next few days. And so this was the Last Supper, not just because of Jesus' last physical meal, but because it was supposed to be the last Passover celebration. And it was the ushering in of the new covenant and with a new sacrificial lamb that Christ was about to take that place. And he knew that. In fact, when you see in Scripture, we see this, this illustration all throughout Scripture. When you read through the New Testament, it's, it's mentioned several times, in fact, in the New Testament. But we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the last part of that verse says that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. But Christ becomes our sacrificial lamb. Why? Because the blood of the lamb saves the life of God's children. Now, there were some very specific instructions about this lamb. About, about It was not just any lamb. It was a very specific lamb. Okay, there were some requirements that God gave of the Israelites when they selected this lamb. And so we're going to look at those. And again, how do those requirements apply to Christ? Okay, the first one is this, is that the first is that the lamb is innocent. Okay, for it to, to qualify as the Passover lamb, it, was, it had to be innocent. We see in Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Okay, and this, again, is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. Right? As we, again, we see this theme throughout all the scriptures. It says that, again, the Passover lamb was innocent. All of the Jews knew that. Right? And yet they say the Messiah, again, is going to be like the lamb led to slaughter. And is completely innocent. Right? Does not defend. Right? Isn't supposed to be there, but yet doesn't open his mouth. Again, we see now this was pre-Christ, right? Looking forward to the Messiah. As we look back at Jesus' life, we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, right? Where it says, he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Again, this is Peter as he writes this, right? He's looking back at the, the life of Jesus and says, he, that's how God paid for your salvation, right? With the innocent, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ. So we see the Lamb, again, to, in order to qualify as the Passover Lamb, had to be innocent. Okay, also the Lamb had to be one of their own. 
Okay, this was a part of the sacrifice. It, it wasn't like I could just go take somebody else's lamb and sacrifice it for, for my sin. Right? It's, it was supposed to be a portion of what God had given you. Take that out of that portion to, to, to show, again, God's provision okay, and God's, again, redemptive values right, of that blood. And again, it was supposed to be one of their own. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, in these instructions for this Passover lamb, it says, this animal must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no physical defects. He's saying this lamb is supposed to come out of the, the top of your flock. Okay, it is a part of your sacrifice, of your worship to me. Okay, it was one of their own. Okay, we see again, is this, is this true Jesus? Now, again, looking forward, looking at the Messiah, looking backwards at the cross, is it was this true of Jesus? In, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, it says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human being, only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Therefore, it was necessary for Jesus to be in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. He then could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Again, Jesus, right, was God that put on flesh and that lived an earthly life, and he was one of us. And Jesus understands everything we go through because Jesus experienced what it's like to be human. Right, not only was he innocent, but he was also one of our own. Or he was a sacrifice out of God's flock. He, we serve a God that knows what it's like to be human. And then the next requirement of the lamb is that the lamb was to be specifically chosen. It was chosen for that purpose. Okay, to become their sacrificial lamb. We see in Exodus 12, Verse three says to announce to the whole community that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice. And go in your flock, find the one that meets the requirements and choose it specifically for this purpose. Here we see in 1 Peter chapter two, verse four, again, looking back at the cross, he says, and come to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he is precious to God who chose him. Again, God chose his son very specifically. He was rejected by those, right, and the religious leaders and those on earth, but yet he was chosen by God as a part of his plan of redemption. And then the, the last thing I want to point out about the, the, the Passover lamb this morning, the, the requirement of the lamb is that the lamb was slain at an appointed time. He was slain at an appointed time. Again, if he, was, if he was slain at the wrong time, right, if the blood was there on the wrong night, then it was not going to be effective. Right? We see in Exodus uh, chapter 12, Verse six, and he says, take special care of these lambs until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then each family in the community must slaughter its lamb. Again, a very specific time. 
right? Because the blood of the lamb is supposed to save God's children. And, and if, it's, if it's done at the wrong time, right, then it will not be there when, again, to, to be the sign, right, of the, the death angel to pass over. We see again in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, it says, but you followed God's prearranged plan. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and murdered him. Again, was the timing of Jesus' death coincidental? Absolutely not. Was the fact that the Last Supper happened on the Passover night just coincidence? No. It was a part of God's predestined plan. And we can, we can ask the question, why did Jesus come when Jesus come? Right, why, like, why, why is that? I mean, why didn't he come later, right? When, when Jesus, you know, could have just live streamed his whole life, right? And like his teachings, and we could have recordings of him and, and pictures, you know? And, and he, I mean, Jesus would have put some awesome selfies on Instagram, right? Like, why did he come when he did? Now, again, because it was this appointed time, that's the time when God needed him to come. We can't answer that question, but yet we know that it was in the plan all along, that it was done on purpose by God. Hey, we see all of these attributes, right? That the lamb was innocent. The lamb was one of their own. The lamb was chosen. The lamb was, was slain at a very specific time. Again, so why again are we looking at the Passover, this significant event, this last supper of Holy Week? And again, you probably already realized why we're looking at it, right? Because just as in the original Passover in Egypt, the sacrifice of the lamb saves the lives of God's children. That is still true today. In 2020, with everything we face, this is still the truth, right? That the blood of the lamb saves God's children, right? That fact never changes, right? No matter what we face, that is true. That is God's plan of redemption. And that is now why we celebrate Easter instead of the Passover holiday. Because Jesus became our sacrificial lamb. Again, Jesus went through everything that he went through to save you. Because the blood of the lamb saves the lives of God's children. And God sent Jesus and to live that sinless life to die on that cross and to raise again on the third day as we're gonna celebrate on Easter Sunday, right? He did that to save you. The blood of the lamb saves the lives of God's children. And that is still true. That's always true. And that is why we celebrate Easter. And as we go through this Holy Week, we're gonna, again, celebrate Good Friday. And, and again, it's, it's ironic. It's called Good Friday because that's when Jesus dies. Right? But the only reason it's good is because Friday has to happen to get us to Sunday. Right? And then we get to Sunday and we, we celebrate the resurrection, right? Which we'll do together on Sunday morning. Right? But again, Jesus went through all of this, right? To save you. Again, and now at the Last Supper, Jesus, as our sacrificial lamb, he replaced Passover with communion. 
Okay, one of the reasons we always look at the Last Supper is because that's when Jesus institutes communion. That was, he did communion for the first time with the disciples at the Last Supper. Right, which is why we're going to do it together on Good Friday, right? As we, as we pick up where we're leaving off today, right, at the Last Supper, we're going to do that communion and then go through the events of the night, right? And, on, and the events of Friday as he's crucified. And that's what we're going to be doing again at the, at a part of that Good Friday service. Okay, but Jesus as our sacrificial lamb replaced Passover with communion. Okay, and as we see that, again, I want to read again from Matthew chapter 26, a little later in the passage. We're going to read verses 26 through 28. Matthew 26, starting at verse 26. And he says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And it's by the blood of the lamb that we are saved. Again, Jesus was telling them, he's like, hey, I am becoming your lamb. But we no longer need the Passover lamb because I am going to die in your place. And it is by my blood, you will be saved. And then he instituted this new celebration, this, this new holiday that we celebrate together as followers of Jesus, right? Again, in different churches do it different ways. We typically celebrate communion together on the first Sunday of every month, right? And yet every time we come together, we should be reminded of the core things, not of just of the Passover holiday, right? Of the lamb of the blood and of the bread, but the Passover holiday was the foreshadowing of communion. And communion is there to remind us of what the Messiah accomplished to save us. And it's the same elements in communion that are in Passover, right? It's just post-resurrection, right? It's the, as Jesus said in this passage, he's bringing in a new covenant, a covenant of grace. Right? And so he replaces the old covenant of Passover with the new covenant of communion. But it is still the blood of the lamb that saves God's children. Now, as we think about this and, and think about, again, this, this Passover lamb, think about communion, about everything that Jesus is about to suffer as we go through the events of this Holy Week together. I just want to end today it was just with, with this picture. Okay, this is a very famous painting. Okay, the, the, the title of this painting is Agnes Dei, which is Latin for Lamb of God. Okay, and when you look at this picture, and, and again, you see this is a lamb that is bound. Okay, this lamb is, is bound and destined for slaughter. Again, this I feel like is one of the most powerful pictures of Jesus that I've ever seen. Jesus, our lamb, that was sacrificed for us. Again, when we see this picture, right, and you see, again, just that it's bound and yet it's silent. 
It's not struggling. You see uh, just, just the loving eyes and soft face of the lamb that is about to be sacrificed. And again, this is one artist's rendition of Jesus. And as we enter into this Holy Week, I just challenge you, again, to, to, to think about how do you see Jesus? Right? What have you made Jesus in your life? Because no matter how you treat him, he's still your sacrificial lamb. And this is the heart of God that loves you and that went through all of this to save you. And especially in these uncertain times, right? That is the most solid and true thing that any of us have ever heard. That God loves you and he died for you so that the blood of the lamb can save you. Again, we should view communion as a core holiday, right? Celebrating our faith. And when we think about it, even in this context, and as we look at this picture, we realize that communion is a big deal and it should never be a mindless routine. And yet I can tell I'm guilty of it. I've done communion just in a mindless routine at different times. Right? Maybe you have too. But as we prepare to do communion together on Good Friday, I just encourage you to, to prepare your mind and your heart to receive it as a part of that service. Again, so many times, right, that we treat communion like it's not a big deal. Right, again, one of the reasons I think why we can do that is just because we do it often. Right, you know, most holidays we celebrate once a year, but yet we do communion more often. Some people do communion every week, right, as a part of their service. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's, I mean, it is that powerful. It's that big of a deal. But if we, it, it cannot lose its meaning. We need to do it with reverence. Again, we're going to do communion as a part of our Good Friday service. And I hope that you will be able to participate with us. And to be able to swing by the church before Friday or, um, or just have them ready for yourself. Okay, I encourage, again, families to have, to watch the service together, bring people over who maybe don't have the technology to be able to watch it. And, and we're gonna, again, experience Good Friday together and even do communion together on that night. Again, however you do it though, make sure that you make it a big deal. Again, we do, we practice open communion at Oregon Trail. I mean, if you are a believer in Christ, you're welcome to participate with us whenever we do communion. And the same is true this next Friday. But make sure that you prepare your heart right, and make it, again, the reverent act that it's supposed to be that Jesus instituted at the Last Supper. If you want to read a little more just instructions about communion and even, you know, that Paul gave to a church that didn't do it right, um, again, the instruction, you can find them in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34. Okay, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 34 gives some some instructions about how to properly do communion. Okay, and again, parents, I encourage you to talk with your kids about it. And, and again, make sure that, that they know what they're doing before they participate with you in communion. Okay, but I, I'm excited that as we come together on Friday night that we can celebrate communion together, right? As we remember our sacrificial lamb 
So this brings me to my final thought tonight, and that is this. Holidays tend to lose their significance unless we purposefully keep them important. So what does Easter, Passover, and communion mean to you? Right? Is it a big deal? Right? Don't just go through this Easter holiday and just celebrate the fun things and, and leave what it really means out. Don't just go through communion in a mindless routine, right? But again, that starts, right, with us accepting the gift of salvation that comes through our sacrificial lamb. Again, if you've never received Christ as your savior before, if you've never confessed with your mouth and, and believed in your heart that Jesus is your sacrificial lamb, then I encourage you to do that today. Right, you can just pray right where you are and say, God, enter my life. I believe that you're my lamb and I, I receive your gift of salvation. Right, but no matter how you celebrate Easter this, this coming week, this holy week, I hope that you will truly remember it for all the right reasons.